Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Tuesday, March 14, 2023. It's about two o'clock in the afternoon here on the east coast of the United States. Larry Johnson uh, joins us again. Larry, it's a pleasure, my dear friend. Thanks for uh, revisiting us on the show. Thanks, Judge. I, I want to start with uh, breaking news, which just broke a few minutes ago, uh, and that is this uh, confrontation between um, or, uh, two Russian fighter jets and an American drone over the Black Sea. According to the version of events put out by the Americans, uh, and repeated by mainstream media. I don't know how this could happen, but perhaps you can enlighten us. Yeah, One apparently. of the jets dropped fuel on the drone, which disabled it somehow, and then one of the jets clipped the drone's propeller, and then it Correct. either fell to the ground or the U.S. called it back. Yeah, apparently it's an uh, MQ-9 Reaper. Um, so it's it's a larger drone. It's not one of these little tiny ones that you go buy at Radio Shack and then fly around your backyard. Right. Uh, Russia sending a very clear signal. The, these drones, this is uh, the MQ-9 has been flying in international waters in the Black Sea for the last year, collecting intelligence on Russian troop movements, upon uh, uh, artillery emplacements, upon a whole variety, everything that they can collect, they're, they're drawing and sending back to headquarters. Up to this point, Russia hasn't tried to interfere with that at all. Today marks a change. And they're, they're ratcheting it up gradually. They're not, because they could have just blown it out of the sky. You know, they've got, they have uh, the, the technology, the military technology in terms of air defense systems, they could have taken it right out. They're not doing that. Uh, they are, they you know, it really takes some skilled flying of a pilot to get close enough to clip the propeller on one of those, uh, the, uh, birds and bring it down. It, it, it went into international water. So now uh, the, the Pentagon has got to figure out how they're going to get into the Black Sea to recover it. All right. But, how, how do you, what, what part of the Black Sea is international waters? I guess the great central part of it, far enough off the coast. I mean, it's surrounded by a half dozen countries, the largest right, of which, right. of which yeah, is so Russia I, I, itself. I think, what was it under international maritime law, the uh, outside the ten mile limit of off your shore, so right. anything it's ten, maybe it's maybe it's twenty. I'm, I'm not precise on that, but it's it's not it doesn't cover sixty miles. All right, so there so, is an area there. I think I think what the, the United States is going to have to do is call upon some other friendly country, maybe Romania or somebody, to sell out to try to pick it up. But it wouldn't put it past the Russians <laughs> or the Turks or somebody else to go out and see if they can push it out of the drink first. Yeah. You're, hey, not, look what I you're, not, you're not surprised that it was there, Larry. Oh, no, no. It's, uh, uh, there's, there's a channel on YouTube that tracks all, all, US avia all aviation in that area. And 
they've been reporting on these drone drone flights over the last year. So it's 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 been a routine. It's part of a collection pattern. We also have other fixed wet fixed wing aircraft that are with pilots uh, doing the same thing. Um, is this um, Air Force or CIA? Uh, this is this is Air Force. And is the is the concept? I never heard of this. I'm you know I'm not an Air Force uh, person, but it's the concept of dumping fuel from the fighter jet onto the drone. Uh, is that a a professional way to uh, minimize <laughs> the drone? Or <laughs> that that I've never never heard of that. Uh, I think it was clearly when you read the press release from the Pentagon, they're really upset with the unprofessional behavior of the Russian pilots. <laughs> yes, yes, and, you know, and uh, the the anti-climate uh, control of the Russian uh, pilots that the fuel yeah. went into the Black Sea itself. I never heard of the military complaining about this. That's why I wanted to know if this is a standard way to uh, to degrade the drone. But when the, when the you know American, I, I, when, when the Defense Department says we brought it back, what they mean, mean is they brought it down. It's in the, it's in the right. sea, right? Correct. Correct. And you know what? I bet the Russian pilot didn't use pronouns either. Say again? The Russian pilots did not use proper pronouns with referring to the drone. You know? <laughs> <laughs> how, um, how far above the sea would this have happened? And how sophisticated would the drone be? What can it see on the ground from however high up it is? Well, the, dr the drones actually have pretty remarkable capabilities. So one, uh, and I, I don't know how this particular one was outfitted, but they are capable of being outfitted both with cameras, which can take imagery up to, you know, where you can see people walk, you know, people walking on the ground. Uh, they can collect signal intelligence, they, including conversations. Uh, I, I know, for example, that in, in, during the whole Benghazi incident, we had drones over there and we were actually picking up the conversations of the people that were carrying out the attack on the U.S., uh, the so-called U.S. embassy. It was a CIA base. So uh, it's got a lot of capabilities. Anything that you could normally put on a, an airplane, you can put on the drone and you don't have to worry about a pilot getting shot down. So should that, we it, should should we conclude that um, either President Putin or someone under his control wanted to show moderation by dumping fuel on it or clipping its wing as opposed to blowing it out of the skies? Clearly, this was a decision taken, at, at least with General Gerasimov at the head and and uh, and, and Shorkin, uh, they uh, they have decided to ratchet it up, and I'm sure they briefed. Uh, Putin on it, because up to now, they've not done any direct interference with the drone. The, the Russians also have an, a great electronic warfare capability. Uh, you'll see some of their soldiers on the ground with these, they look like uh, guns to, out of Star Wars, and they, they shoot an electrical pulse that can actually bring the smaller drones down. Uh, it would not surprise me that Russia has actually some other capabilities in that regard that they haven't employed yet. But uh, the fact that they're now sending the U.S. a clear message, this, and they've been, their spokesmen have also been talking about the U.S. supplying weapons of war to Ukraine. And, uh, and this, don't look at this strictly in terms of Ukraine, because the Chinese as well are sending very 
strong, unprecedented messages to the West that are that are threatening us now. And they're threatening us because of the threats we've been making to China. And, and China is just literally sending the signal that's fed up. So I would not p- discount the possibility of coordination between Russia and China, that this what, is not, is, these are not being the, carried out isolated. What is the nature of the threats coming from China? Uh, the, the Chinese have noted, they're, they're, they're basically saying the United States does not get to dictate to them how they do things in their territory. Uh, you know, most, of, uh, most Americans don't understand that when Richard Nixon went to China, uh, 51 years ago, and he got off the plane in Beijing, he agreed with the Chinese that Taiwan was part of China, that Taiwan was a province of China. Province in Chinese means state in the United States. That's like the Chinese coming to us and we agreeing that, yes, Hawaii is a state of the United States. Well, imagine how we would react if the Chinese started sending weapons and doing military training in Hawaii, we would be outraged. It would be seen as an act of war. But that's exactly what we're doing in Taiwan. And we pretend that the Chinese ought to get over it or ought to understand that we get to do whatever we want. And the Chinese foreign minister today, I don't recall his exact words, but they were not diplomatic. The foreign minister in the past has been very diplomatic and said saying things very smoothly. He just very bluntly said, you know, United States, this is going to lead to conflict. He did say this will lead to conflict. And he wasn't talking about sending, you know, angry notes back and forth to each other. He was talking about war and he was talking about this could cause catastrophic losses for both sides. This is a head scratcher to me as to why Joe Biden wants to uh, pick a fight uh, over Taiwan. I mean, it's not consistent with the hard left policy of where the Democratic Party uh, is today. There's no American interest in it. It would be nearly impossible for us to prevail, for us to get enough human beings to Taiwan and enough military equipment past a Chinese naval and air uh, blockade. One wonders if he and Lloyd Austin and Tony Blinken and Jake Sullivan even know what they're talking about when they say we're going to defend Taiwan. Is there a Victoria Newland for Taiwan in the State Department? Yeah, there is not. But this has been sort of a long, we've seen this transition over the last 20 years. Uh, And and it's a level of ignorance, I think, on the part, even of our politicians, within them not realizing what Nixon and Kissinger crafted uh, with uh, Cho and Lai, I believe it was back then, uh, an agreement that the United States would recognize Taiwan as a province of China and that there was a one China, there weren't two Chinas. And we've now reversed that. And it's not just Biden. I mean, Biden and his team, of, you know, they could fill a clown car in terms of their incompetence, but you've also got Republicans. I mean, Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, is talking about doing exactly what Nancy Pelosi did, Oof. going to visit Taiwan, which sends the kind of message from the Chinese perspective, that the United States is intent on provoking China into a war. And China said very clearly through its both its foreign minister that it's not going to be bullied, that they were not going to back down, and the United States is crossing a red line on this. I, It's, it's really alarming that we are escalating, the opening really a two-front war when we can't even fight a one-front war. Let's uh, go back to the uh, the other front. The Washington sure. Post is reporting. I'm just going to read the headline to you. Ukraine short of skilled troops and munitions as losses 
and pessimism grow. Now, the Washington Post, until last night, late last night when this piece came out, was a cheerleader for sure. the Biden administration uh, funding Ukraine. Uh, um, is this a trial balloon? Is this something uh, the CIA uh, let out there? Is this a test to see if the American public is sick and tired uh, of Ukraine? Or is this just a, a one-off, a, a, a writer at the Washington Post coming up with data, which is probably true, but which the administration doesn't want to hear. Right. Well, there's there's still enormous pressure within the intelligence community to downplay the reality, to not talk about what is actually going on. However, the facts are very difficult to ignore because uh, you're, you're looking at this uh, the Russians shelling at a rate of 20,000 shells a day to what Ukraine can only do 3,000. And as, you know, I'm sure as Scott Ritter and Doug McGregor and others have made the point, that disparity means, let's assume that each shell that falls causes a casualty. That means Ukraine is suffering seven times the casualties that the Russians are. Maybe six times, but it's a horrific rate. And when you lose those personnel, you don't just go to a vending machine and put in a quarter and get a ready trained troop. And so the, the, the catastrophic losses that Ukraine has suffered, that's coming home to roost. What is dangerous within the U.S. intelligence community right now, and I've, I've told this very specifically, the senior generals, the two, three, and four stars are not pushing back against uh, the, the happy talk about Ukraine winning. I know that there are a lot of colonels and one-star generals, the brigadier generals, that are worried. They are trying to in inject some realism into this. But the, the two, three, and four stars, you know, they're measuring the drapes for their new offices at Raytheon or Lockheed Martin. It is, right. it is sickening what's taking place, the failure of leadership at the very top of the military. Give us, um, uh, give us a little uh, understanding of how this works. The CIA has um, uh, officers in the field that gather information from intercepting conversations or from uh, human intelligence, and this is passed along to Langley. Does the Defense Department have its own independent people? Does the Defense Intelligence Agency have its own raw gatherers of data from the field, or does it use what the CIA gathers? Stated differently, no. is our Langley and the Pentagon looking at the same intel or different intel from different American sources? So, so basically, you've got four kinds of intelli raw intelligence that comes in. The, the State Department will provide messages from its embassy, from its officers saying, here, we've talked to this Ukrainian official and we've talked to these people, these leaders. They send that back. That, that provides you one source of intelligence. CIA officers are supposed to recruit Ukrainian government officials, people with access who will spy for us, who will give us information that we're supposedly not supposed to get. Also, you have defense uh, liaison officers, defense attaches assigned to these embassies. They go out and they collect their own information and they write up their own reports. So an analyst sitting back at headquarters uh, in, in McLean, Virginia, is going to sit there and get they'll get the human report if there are such reports from the, from the Directorate of Operations at CIA. They'll get the human report from the defense attache They'll get the report from State Department in terms of the cable traffic. And then you've got the National Security Agency, which is collecting 
conversations, emails, anything elected that's communicated electronically. Uh, there's also overhead imagery, but you know, my experience would rarely use that. But the point is that information comes back in. Then you have open source information you can use. What's shocking is there are very few incentives within the intelligence community to use that open source information. In fact, I've been told that things that are appearing open source usually wind up 72 hours, so two to three days later in some of the Intel reports, but that's because they're waiting for it to come through an intelligence source, a classified source. So it is, uh, we, we really have a broken intelligence system that is pandering to leadership, to, to the political leaders downtown, telling them what they want to hear and tell, instead of telling them what they need to hear, what they need to know, that are, are, this are war in Ukraine these, is going off, off track. Are all of these sources, I'll call the CIA civilian and, and the Pentagon military, uh, are all these sources civilian um, uh, and military independently getting data somehow to the White House, or does it all come through the CIA and the president's daily briefing? So yes. if, the Secretary yeah, still, of Defense a, if the Secretary of Defense, who's <clears throat> a former four-star, Lloyd uh, Austin, uh, is in the White House and hearing the president's daily briefing with the president, is this new to him or has he seen it or heard it from his own sources? No, no, it, it, it's filtered. So it comes through the, the raw intelligence comes in because particularly if it's a clandestine source, then you need to protect the identity so that that person is not uh, compromised and exposed. And, and you have to go to some, some links to maybe hide the origin of it, or you put it in a special eyes only, uh, what, what they call a SAP, special access program where it would be hand carried by like Ray McGovern used to do, would hand carry something down to the president and would hand it to the president or to his uh, national security advisor to be read and then taken back so that there would not be a copy left around. So there are, you know, they can get briefed that way, but it is, there is always a filter of the information coming in. But what happens is the leaders of these organizations, the leaders of the CIA, the leaders of DIA, they're always very sensitive about well, what's the White House going to think about what we're reporting? And I've I've seen this in my own experience. Oh, we don't want to take bad news down. They're not going to like that. So let's, you know, let's find a way to soften the blow. And it's like, guys, that's our job. So the data that makes its way to the president is often the result of, for lack of a better phrase, political compromise by yes. whoever signs off of the finer, the final signing off on the data. Correct. Now, the, 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 the process, the, the only thing that can save, that, that can make that process work is you have somebody in charge at the CIA or at the director of national intelligence office who says, I'm, I want it clear to everyone down the chain of command. We're going to tell the president the news, regardless of whether they like it or not. We are going, if we have to present bad news, we're going to present bad news. That's not happening. Instead, it's like, no, we can't, you know, we, we need to put as positive a spin on this as possible. I mean, I, I, I had the experience back when I was an analyst, and, I, and the fellow who was the South African analyst was, uh, had written a piece about Nelson Mandela, and the question that came from the White House was, is Nelson Mandela a communist? And the analyst wrote out this piece and 
at the end, he said, basically, Nelson Mandela is not a communist. Robert Gates, who was then the director of intelligence at CIA, changed just one word in that conclusion. Not. What do you think that word was? Exactly. Not. Took out the word not. Because he knew that the White House wanted to hear that Nelson Mandela is a communist. That's what I'm talking about. So this is what the phenomenon we're seeing today is not new. It's gone on in years past. Is, is, it but, probable, is it probable, probable, meaning more likely than not, that uh, Joe Biden's um, public optimism about the war in Ukraine is the result of uh, deceptive uh, information being fed to him by his own CIA or DIA uh, because they think that's what he wants to hear. Uh, that is the excuse they're going to use when this thing goes sour. But he's smart enough and experienced enough, despite his dementia, to, to realize that things are not going well, particularly that the United States does not have ample supplies of artillery shells, that we don't have a, an industrial base that we can turn the key and start you know, pushing out that material and sending it to Ukraine. That he recognizes that we've got shortages. And, and when you're not in a position as supposedly the, the most powerful military on the face of the earth, that you can't even resupply artillery shells within a month, that you, you're looking at a year, year and a half timeline, that should tell you something that you're not what you think you are and the situation is not as you are presenting it. Is the ability of the United States of America to defend itself in the case uh, of an attack or an ally that we might be contractually or, or treaty-wise obligated to defend being diminished diminished by the massive amount of um, uh, equipment that we're shipping to Ukraine? Uh, no, because that equipment we're shipping to Ukraine is not, it really can't protect against the attacks that will come upon us. But what it, what it will do is to the extent that that equipment is used to attack Russia, and if it's used to attack inside Russia, and your listeners need to be very conscious of this, it, and because I know that there are plans being talked about of having NATO aircraft launch attacks against Russians. If Ooh. any of those attacks take place on Russian territory, Russia will strike the continental United States with conventional warheads. And this will be the first time in our history if you ignore Pancho Villa in 1917 and the British burning the White House in 1812, this will be the first time that the continental United States will be attacked and that we will have cities bombed and we'll have uh, cities on fire. That's where this is headed because we are on a collision course, not just with Russia, but with China. And this is the most, just this is the most dangerous time. And, you know, I'm old enough to go back to the Cuban Missile Crisis where we have never been in a more dangerous, precarious time. And the difference is now we're led by a bunch of morons. There's no other way to put it. These people have nothing of diplomacy, and they are insistent upon provoking and, and challenging both Russia and China, and we don't what have do the think? strength to counter it. I agree with everything you've said. I don't I don't have the background in, in military affairs to say it with the certainty with which you do, but I know the way you think and I know the, the types of resources that you have. Let me ask you, just take take a little bit of leap into the political sphere. What what is their game plan? 
what does Victoria Newland, what is her goal? What is Lloyd um, um, Austin's goal? What What is Tony Blinken's goal? If they really don't know what they're talking about, right. if we can't fight a one front war and they're willing to pick fights, which would necessitate a two front war. Well, they, they want to destroy Russia. They want to break up Russia. They, they labor under the belief that if we can just get rid of Vladimir Putin, then that will force a break, a break up of the current Russian Federation. And there have even been studies done uh, proposing dividing the current Russia into five different countries within its borders. And, and part of that is to get access to the resources. Russia is the richest nation on the face of the earth in terms of natural resources. And the West desperately wants access to them. Uh, in the past, Russia was willing to trade and make deals, but still stayed in control. The West doesn't want that. We want that out of want them out of the way. And the other aspect is recognizing that if Russia and China get together, it's going to put us at a decided disadvantage. Well, guess what? We're already there. So that uh, that objective has failed as far as the uh, the Biden foreign policy goes. All right. So when I got up this morning, I read your dynamite piece called U.S. Intelligence Community is Doing Groupthink on Steroids. Yep. We haven't even gotten to it yet, but I think we'll stop now. and We'll do this the next time uh, you're on because you've given us so much to think about, as you always do. Larry Johnson, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, Judge. Good to be with you. Judge Napolitano, more as we get it for judging freedom.